Welcome back to Chat with Leaders, where we amplify the voices of leaders who use business and influence as a force for good. We believe it's their example that will have a tremendous impact on our next generation of servant leaders who will carry us forward into our bright, sustainable future. Everyone has a story to tell. That's the same for entrepreneurs, whether you call it the hero's journey, quest, or another name. The question many founders and entrepreneurs ask themselves is, how do I find my way on this entrepreneurial journey? In today's episode, Jeff chats with serial entrepreneur and investor, Cap Trieger. Cap is the author of Finding the Way, The Entrepreneur's Tale. Cap talked to Jeff about the importance of purposeful intention, what founders and CEOs can do differently to attract and retain top talent, as well as what he sees as his role as a leader. All right, let's jump right into this conversation with Cap Trieger. Over to you, Jeff. All right, Cap Trieger, thank you so much for joining me on Chat with Leaders today. I've really been looking forward to this. Likewise, Jeff, I'm, I'm real excited to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. My pleasure. Well, I know we have a lot to unpack in terms of leadership and your story, but really the book that you've written about your experience is called Finding the Way, The Entrepreneur's Tale with Cap Trigger. Um, so glad that we have a, a chance to go into this. Um, but a lot of it is based on entrepreneurship, starting businesses, your experiences with that. So I wanted to start with what is a common misconception that you found about entrepreneurship and starting businesses that maybe you passionately disagree with? Uh, th thanks, Jeff. And I, I, I would say maybe there's a couple of things that sort of strike me. One of them um, is sort of this this idea, and I, I wouldn't say I strongly disagree with it so much as it, it sort of troubles me that all you need is a great idea. Uh, I think we see people, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm a big fan of Steve Jobs. A lot of people really admire Elon Musk, people that have great ideas and product positioning. I think people may not realize both of those guys um, you know, Steve Jobs was fired his first time at Apple and at Next, and, you know, it, uh, his timing was right. And he was, again, a genius. I don't want to take anything away from him, but, you know, found success later in life. Um, and, and then we have the Elon Musk that have great ideas. But again, when they became successful, I think timing and things worked out for them. And I just, I, I guess I cringe a little bit when, when people want to bet their livelihood, potentially the livelihood of others, in a hope of timing. And so, you know, to me, there's uh, a lot more factors that go there and kind of hand in hand with that. I think I maybe one of my pet peeves is a lot of people are in it to raise money. Uh, it feels like that's its own reward. And again, um, there's nothing wrong with that. And I've raised money for my companies. But um, I think if, if that becomes sort of the goal, um, it, again, you're sort of depending on timing. And um, so I, I think uh, if, if you'll forgive me, those are probably two of the sort of things that um, I'm not necessarily always against. I'm certainly not against having a great idea or raising money, but uh, I just feel like people sort of look at those as, as uh, um, the end game, uh, when instead to me, they're, they're sort of a means toward a greater end. That's such a good word for me, Cap, because I started my business in my 40s, and I always thought, that from the very time like I got into the workforce that if I just had an idea, I could start a business and uh, it would be easy. And uh, and I was always kind of searching more so for purpose throughout my career. And then I kind of found that as, as my purpose is to serve others and uh, and particularly in a way that, you know, advances the kingdom and glorifies God and, and makes a difference in people's life. And uh, so I, I got to that point, which has been great. But um 
but I never really quite knew what I was getting into in terms of entrepreneurship and, uh, you know, do I bootstrap it? Do I fundraise? You know, how do you go about it? How do you make sure there's an addressable market and that what you're doing is viable? And when we started this podcast production business after doing my own leadership podcast for a couple of years, it just became so clear. And uh, sometimes it is just a matter of timing and and backing into it. But I do think that those are false notions that even I believed for a long time that that was kind of the, the two things that you ultimately needed. Yeah. It's, um, uh, it's, it's interesting, but um, uh, it looks like you're you're learning now that sometimes it's more than just having an idea. And, uh, you know, I, I've seen people succeed with just a great idea and so people succeed just by raising money. But, you know, you need the timing to work out for that. And I just hate to see people bet their livelihoods on being at the right place at the right time. Yeah. Well, I love people like you that have been successful as entrepreneurs and have found a passion for pouring in to other entrepreneurs so much so that you wrote a book about it. So I would like to ask why you decided to write your book and what were some of the lived trials and errors that led you to the title of Finding the Way the Entrepreneur's Tale? Yeah, I, there, there were so many uh, trials, um, Jeff. I, uh, um, I've directly invested now in over 100 companies, and uh, I don't really use the word mentor, but I guess people call it mentoring uh, I've, that I've done with hundreds of companies. And in a lot of the groups that I'm in, they tell you not to tell people what to do because they have to live with the consequences. So instead of saying, you know, hire someone, fire someone, sell your company, uh, they, they want us to share, here's what happened when I hired somebody, fired somebody, sold that company, the mistakes we made, the things we learned. Uh, and on top of that, I've had some incredible mentors that have taught me a lot of things and always kind of wanted to pay it forward. Um, the things that, that I got from, from um, a lot of people, including some people you've had as guests on your show. And um, so I uh, really enjoyed that. And in the process of these, I guess, hundreds of companies, uh, caught myself repeating the same stories of the times that we hired, fired, sold. And um, so I thought, why don't I put this into a book? So I sat down to write, a, I guess, sort of a vanity book that uh, if somebody says, will you mentor me, I can hand them the book, say, here's our our, our, um, uh, our, our handbook for this, this process. But um, w- when I finished writing it, uh, I wasn't real happy with it, um, read it, uh, gave it to a couple of friends. One had built a, a I guess it's a Fortune 100 company, a very successful guy. He said, no, this is great. You need to, to make it a bestseller. Uh, and I gave it to another friend who was a private equity guy, said the same thing. So I found a, a friend who was a publisher, and she was willing to um, um, help and, and take it forward. So um, ended up um, uh, creating this book uh, that we're trying to get out there. And, and I guess hopefully the goal is to help more entrepreneurs um, and reach more people again with sort of the lessons that I've learned from great mentors, mistakes we've made. And yeah, you mentioned the, the um, cover of the book. Uh, it's always a roller coaster. And even some of the most successful companies I've been a part of, there were times when it was not, uh, you know, we remember it all as the good old days, but um, I can think of some big successes that were not always the good old days. And, uh, you know, so I, I think, um, uh, it, it does almost feel like you're on a roller coaster and there's storm clouds around you at times. And uh, we even have a villain in the book. The villain is all the stuff that gets gets in your way because it does almost feel personified at times. 
yeah, you got to have a villain, a nemesis that you're going after in the the hero's journey to overcome. And I love the power of story too. I've talked to some recent guests about that, and it's really been shaping my approach to business and relationships and the shows that we produce is talking about story in the first person, uh, mind you, what you talked about and being able to lean into uh, the conflict and the failures and the ups and the downs. But also something that I heard you say is that you were willing to share vulnerably your your piece of work uh, with other people thinking that it wasn't great, but they encouraged you uh, and pushed you to, to go out and, and make it happen. And that's really the value of a good mentor, but also someone that's seeking mentorship that's not only offering it, but that's willing to receive the creative critique and the and the direction of others. I think that's a great leadership lesson that you just shared with us today, too. Thanks, Jeff. And yeah, I, I've always liked to find people that would tell me what I need to hear instead of just what I want to hear. So that's uh, mm, amen to that. <laughs> yeah, no one wants a yes man by their side. You want someone to challenge you and push you for sure. Um, well, you've spent the last 20 years now supporting and investing in entrepreneurs, both financially and through your own mentorship. So, could you tell our listeners what you found to be the characteristic? And I know there's probably lots of them, but uh, the characteristic that makes the majority more quote unquote successful than others. You know, Jeff, I, I spend a lot of time doing the forensics on who made it and who didn't. And, um, you know, some of the differences are, are, are subtle but add up. But one of the ones that's sort of been on my mind, and I think as you, you and I have talked, um, and it's funny, as, as uh, I, I was talking about the book with, with another group of friends, and somebody said, if you had to boil it all down into one thing, what would that be? And it hit me, purposeful intentionality. And the reason I say that, Jeff, is, um, and I, I'll go into, I, I work with a lot of different kinds of people intentionally. I go to great lengths to be around every different kind of person and, and learn from everyone. But I can go to a, a soup kitchen or a, maybe a challenged neighborhood and see people that are maybe struggling in their lives. And then I can walk into a boardroom or an investment group and pe see people who have supposedly made it. And uh, there's probably a lot more to the story than what we see on the surface in, in each case. But um, I would say when, when you um, start looking at some of the differences, one that jumps out at me is maybe a lot of the people in the boardroom and the investment groups were always expected. They were expected to go to college. And I wouldn't say all of them, but 90% of them had these expectations that they would get these great jobs. And even among the remaining 10%, a lot, a lot of those sat down and articulated you know, they were intentional about, I want to accomplish these things. I have these goals and these objectives. And then I go into the soup kitchen or the challenge neighborhood or some of the, the people that I, I work with that, you know, maybe you think haven't made it. And they spend their lives reacting, surviving, trying to, to deal with, you know, whatever the problems of the day are and just never big picture had those and, and not a hundred percent of the case, but a, a massive majority of them were not intentional about, the things that they do, they're, they're um, in reactive mode instead of being proactive about things in their lives. And, and maybe a lot of that's out of necessity. But uh, I do think um, uh, I'm a fan of, you know, have, having an articulated sort of intentionality about, about what you want to do. Um, so that, that would be one that, that comes to mind for sure. I love that. And where could, I guess, if someone is maybe falling short of that purposeful intentionality or there's just not the... the the thing it's just not working right now, but they're trying to lean in towards that. How can someone easily like do that 
try to do that, but maybe get it wrong? What's kind of a wrong approach to, to that? <laughs> that's, that's just a great question. And Jeff, I guess, um, you know, a lot of the self-help people have, have these great exercises. I have one in my book and, and I'm probably going to make it available on our website. Um, and I, I see a lot of people um, uh, who, who um, encourage you to do a personal mission statement and all that. And I, I don't think those are, um, I, I think they're great. I'm a big fan always if somebody tells you to do that. But I think um, sometimes we end up with superficial answers or trying to answer what, what everybody else thinks our, our response should be. Uh, I'm a fan of really understanding, you know, what what's important to you, measuring things against that. And it could be your faith, your family, your business, your car. I, I'm not going to decide for you what's important to you. But I think you, you, you measure things against that. And sometimes those statements look a little different. And uh, so I, I think keeping that in mind is helpful. And then sometimes keeping in mind where we start from. And then the final thing is uh, the exercise I do. Uh, I think sometimes we, we sort of um, paint ourselves into a corner with our current constraints. We limit ourselves by our current circumstances. And so I like to start with the end, try to forget as much of that as we can and, and just start with the end in mind, you know, 15 years from now, maybe, or five years in your business without being overly constrained by the realities, uh, the things that are holding you back now, work backwards from that. And then you can use that process to address, you know, uh, things that get you there. So hopefully that, that answers that question a little bit. Super helpful. Yeah. I love the fan of measuring against what's important to you. And that's something I've had to do throughout my career, my leadership and weigh that against my responsibilities as a father, as a husband, as, you know, in my faith life. And uh, the statements do start to look different. You're, you're totally right about that. And, you know, uh, certainly before that, and, and even still struggle with painting myself in the corners of, of current constraints and the way the world around us wants to guide us towards uh, how we do our how we go about our business and our leadership. So I think it's a really good point to push further, push beyond that. And then that way you can measure that success. And to that point, uh, I actually have people do things sort of backwards. So we start with the end in mind, work our way back. And then we do our current constraints after we've done that. And then we, we do our values and then you measure it all against, against your, what's important to you. And I like to do it that way because you can go back and change where you're going if you see it doesn't match up. And so I actually have you do it sort of in a reverse order of, of the way I think a lot of people do in order to sort of make sure that you're measuring against your purpose um, in, in the right ways. Yeah, start with the purpose of mine and the outcome, reverse engineer the outcome with all those things you just described, which I think is, yeah, especially in technology, anyone in the technology leadership thinking about engineering, yeah. That's something that's often missed is you just start the build, you know, you design the architecture, you build the house and you realize that, oh, my gosh, you know, this is totally off because I never thought about, you know, the final product. So my my best mentor, um, when he first had me do an exercise like this, he uh, got me started on this exercise of of where I'm going and who I am now and, and, and the constraints, things in my life. And then he came to my office a week later and said, I waited to have you do your purpose. He says the most important thing but I, I wanted you to do this last. 
And then when we, we sat down and compared everything, he said, look, if, if your other stuff doesn't match up to this, you change the other stuff. And that worked out really well for me. So that's the way I've been doing the exercise with others. And I think it, it helps you sort of evaluate, you know, am I measuring up to what's, what, what's important? Yeah, absolutely. And I like that. It's a good, good paradigm shift for me too, to be thinking about that and guiding others whenever I have the opportunity. All right. So I want to, I want to talk to you about, so, you know, once you kind of have that figured out and you've built a business, you've had some degree of success, you know, we are so, uh, our success is going to be predicated on how well we can attract and retain talent and, you know, create great employee experiences where people want to stick with us and join the mission and, and execute at a high degree. But there's a high degree of mobility that workers are demonstrating today in this era of the great resignation and quiet quitting. And uh, it's really disruptive, to, uh, particularly to a lot of founders that are growing their business and are relying upon the knowledge workers that they're building within their company. So what can they be, they being the leaders, the founders, the CEOs of these companies do a little bit differently to create workplaces that do attract and more importantly, retain that top talent? And, you know, it's interesting. And even, um, you know, for, for my companies, I always feel like if people understand, you know, uh, sort of have an alignment with where they fit in the big picture and feel sort of an ownership of the greater goal, um, that, that always seems empowering. And to that point, you know, I've always thought uh, I, I, I do early stage startups mostly and, and um, you know, early stage companies. And uh, I was sitting at lunch with some friends uh, who were all CEOs of big public companies, uh, tens of thousands of employees, and I was kind of giving them a hard time about being short-sighted to quarterly earnings. But I also said, you know, with, with um, people at your company, you, you want to put them in a box. You want them to do their job description, and if they get outside of those job descriptions, you get in trouble. But I said, in my companies, I need people who can think big picture. I have to take the risk of people stepping outside of their box and I have to live with the consequences because I need people thinking, you know, what makes a happy customer, what keeps us in business, that kind of thing. And one of the guys, he said, you know, we've historically been that way, but we have to change too. He said, the world is, is changing so fast. And, you know, uh, uh, when you look at, I mean, there was a time when, when A&P or was going to rule the world and IBM and, and then Microsoft, and now everybody thinks Google is going to rule the world. You know, the world changes so fast. And, um, uh, you know, at one point, I, I think Walmart, uh, you know, people were, were scared Walmart controls the world. But, you know, businesses change, and, and those businesses are, are learning to evolve and, and stay with the thing. And part of that is, is as you said, the workforce and having, um, you know, and, and particularly skilled workers. And uh, you may – um, I was watching a thing yesterday about how um, – uh, baby boomers are getting to retirement age now, and it, there's already a shortage of people. And that's that's probably only going to get worse for the next 10 years of, of having a shortage of, of good people. And even there are studies that show, I think when we started seeing a lot more automation, um, uh, a lot of people were saying that's going to kill jobs, but it turns out more jobs are created by automation. Um, and I think from the time that they, they started doing um, automated tellers, that the number of tellers actually has increased. Um, same thing, automated checkout and manufacturing and everything else. So uh, I do think there's going to continue to be a demand. And for me, um, when, I, I think a lot about when people come to our companies, why are they there? And I talked about that alignment, but part of it is they trust the company. Um, and I think if they understand where they fit, their importance, their value, uh, if they can see um, you know, empirically where they're contributing and, and, and what uh, provides 
you know, their, their position, I think that, that also helps to foster trust. So I think uh, trust and, and, and people believing in what they're doing and then having some flexibility. Uh, in my book, I talk about how at the end of the day, I, and, and a lot of great leaders feel like we work for the people at our company. And I, I feel like my ultimate boss is my, my customers and everybody that works at my company is um, uh, they interact with their customers and they can put us out of business. So they're my boss too. So I've always, my grandfather and my dad used to tell me the company pyramids upside down. And I think when people can see, you know, that you, you just really feel, um, you know, um, a genuine respect, consideration, appreciation for, for others at your company. And, and, and they feel like they can trust where they fit that and everything. I, I absolutely think that goes a long way. Maybe that's one other misconception about entrepreneurship that we uh, brushed over before is that you think that you're your own boss, but you got a lot more bosses once you get into that position. And I, I don't daily run many companies anymore because I hate having so many bosses. But you're everybody, and you know, I, I've heard when I, a lot of times I'll tell entrepreneurs, you work for, for your employees, the people at your company, and they say, I know, but I don't want them to know that. Uh, you know, so I, can, I can fire them, I can, I can affect their, their um, uh, compensation, but at the end of the day, it's my job to enable them, to provide them the resources. If, if you don't have the right person in the right spot, that's a separate issue. But if you've got the right person doing the, the right thing, then it, at that point, it's my job to provide them the resources and direction and, and, and empowerment and everything they need to do it as well as they can. I'm working for them. Mm, yeah, couldn't agree with you more. And important to love those people well, right? I mean, to me, it's about loving all those bosses well and all the people that you hire, all the clients that you're serving, the stakeholders that are surrounding your business and making sure that you're really out for the greater good of all of those people. And I know with your conscious business practices and, and your name standing for capitalist tree hugger, you believe in this idea of stakeholder capitalism and making sure that you're you know making these decisions that are going to elevate humanity of all the people around you. And Jeff, I, I believe if you're genuine about it, over time, people can see that and respect and trust it. And if you're not, you'll, you'll get busted. So, you know, I think having a, just a genuine, you know, intention of, of, the greater purpose and everything. I think people learn to trust and, and, and buy that over time. Yeah. So do it, like do it cause you mean it and don't get busted. <laughs> don't, don't do it cause you don't mean it. Well, uh, I want to, this has been a great conversation. There's so many more things we could talk about and I highly encourage everybody to check out your book, finding the way the entrepreneur's tale will be including that in the show notes as well as uh, some other information resources from this show. But what I'd love to do is land the plane. Uh, you talked about before purposeful intentionality. And I really love how you boiled it down to the significance of that phrase. What would be one next step that you hope every person and leader listening would take away from our chat today that maybe they could just practically apply as they're moving forward? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> So when, when I wrote the book, Jeff, you know, I, I, I mentioned the purpose for intentionality, what it boils down to, but I really, there are five things that I think are important to me that I don't think anyone else has done service to the way I want to. Um, for instance, business model is an example of something that I, I like to, uh, my best mentors spent a lot of time teaching me about the importance of the right business model, and I couldn't find any good books about it. And so, um, in, in my book, I, I tried to, um, you know, articulate sort of the way I look at it, uh, to maybe help others, others find the way there. And so 
the, the reason I, I, I mentioned business model is I think it's something that, that people don't talk about, don't understand well enough that can make a big difference. But I also think in your life, you know, we talked about articulating sort of who you are and where you're going. I think there's a life model. Uh, I think that, you know, setting yourself up uh, and, and lately I'm reading all these books about, you know, the power of habits, the, the, the power of who we hang around with, uh, the factors that are in our lives. So I think, you know, I would start out to your point of not only doing the exercise I mentioned, again, it's in my book, I'll put it on the website, or I think Tony Robbins, a lot of the self-help guys have these sort of, you know, life planning exercises, whichever one you want to use, but then start looking at, at sort of what your life is and how it, how it serves that. What are you, are you giving your, are you setting yourself up for success in that, those things? So, um, sort of a, a rambling answer, hopefully, uh, to your question. No, I love it. I mean, it's a self-evaluation, you know, just do the, do the work, right? Do the, the self-work that it takes for you to, to boil it down to what it, what are your intentions and what is your purpose? And like you said, that, that may come more clear as you go forward and as you do the planning and you, you start with those outcomes in mind and you can really use your, your business and your leadership as a force for good in the world, which is what this show is all about and what you do. And why we're so grateful that you spent this time with us today. Uh, it's really a privilege, Jeff, and love to connect with you more. And one other thing I'll throw in is, you know, a lot of a lot of your guests are entrepreneurs and, and people who build businesses. Um, one of my business partners in one of my companies, he said, some people are called to preach, some are called to sing in the choir. He said, somebody's got to pay for this, and that's me. And, uh, you know, I feel like I, I enjoy philanthropy, and we do a lot of causes and do a lot of volunteer stuff. But sometimes I feel like one of the best things I can do for the world is, is to, uh, help people build businesses because, um, you know, my companies, they pay their taxes, they're, they're civically involved. Well, some of them, the one in the, the business, we, we helped hospitals save people's lives and that's a reward in, in its own right. But also the people that work there, you know, they pay their taxes and their kids go to school and they volunteer at their churches and, and, and synagogues and mosques and, do, do things, um, you know, that pay for, for hospitals and churches and schools and maybe in a more sustainable way uh, than anything else I can do. So um, I, I do think entrepreneurship can be a path to, to hopefully uh, uh, make the world a better place in some ways. Couldn't agree with you more. Uh, it's very aligned with the audience that we built here and everyone that listens in the community that we're reaching is, yeah, using business and influence as a force for good. And, and you can do that at scale when you can impact companies that carry that culture and permeate it through all the stakeholder groups and then they carry it out into the community uh, because of that influence. And so uh, you, you articulated that so beautifully. and. And I would encourage everyone to listen back on that and and just uh, soak it in because what a great opportunity that is as a leader, as an entrepreneur. Uh, so, Cap, thank you so much. This was such a gift for me. I'm sure it was for everybody here today. Like I said, we'll be putting uh, the title of the book and a link to go purchase it uh, in our show notes. Again, it's Finding the Way, The Entrepreneur's Tale. And we were talking to Cap Trigger. Thanks so much, Cap. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jeff. 
Well, that wraps up another edition of Chat with Leaders. Thank you for investing your time with us today. If you haven't already, we would be grateful if you shared this episode with a friend and rated it on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts so we can pass down the wisdom from our guests to more aspiring leaders. If you're interested in launching a professional podcast to grow your business, we would love to help. Check out chatwithleaders.com for more information and feel free to reach out by emailing team at chatwithleaders.com. Thanks again and go be a leader worth following.